Welcome to Slauson Girl Speaks. I am your host, Slauson Girl, bringing you world news with a South Central state of mind. A quick thank you to this week's sponsors over at Straight Up Fast Food. Straight Up Fast Food is a new juice delivery service started by two men from South Central who grew tired of traveling outside their community for healthy food and juice options. Straight Up Fast Food provides smoothies and juices made from organic fruits and vegetables. They will deliver fresh juices to your home and you can order through their Instagram or website. You can email them at straightupfastfood at gmail.com or also call them at 562-367-4911 to place your order. They'll do free deliveries up to a seven-mile radius from USC. There's a $20 minimum purchase for a straight-up fast food. But what's even better than fresh smoothies? If you return five bottles, you receive a free smoothie with your next purchase. And if you mention Slauson Girl when ordering, you'll get a 10% discount. So make sure you tell them that Slauson Girl sent you. This weekend, the National Association of Black Journalists held their Media Summit and Career Fair at USC in partnership with the Black Public Relations Society of L.A. The Media Summit was a conference and career fair for journalists, media and public relations professionals, and communication students. The event had speakers from various black journalists and public relations professionals and executives, as well as various different type of programming and many classes with the leading professional media professionals of L.A. The event was attended by almost all of the black anchors in L.A., a lot of journalists and as well as um, students who are looking to branch off into media. There was also a career fair where companies such as Variety, Netflix, Spectrum News were in attendance talking about positions and opportunities for prospective journalists. Much thanks to the National Association of Black Journalists who who held this event and who continue to advocate for the access and representation of black journalists within the media field. People lined up around the block this week to catch the limited capsule release between Fear of God and the Marathon Clothing. A press release was released earlier this week detailing the collaboration, which states, The Marathon Clothing, in collaboration with Fear of God, are proud to announce their limited edition 08 Crenshaw capsule. Nipsey was a big supporter of Jerry Lorenzo's fashion efforts through both his Fear of God and Essentials brands, having worn several pieces in music videos and other iconic career moments. According to the Marathon Clothing, they wanted to see 
a collaboration with Fear of God as Nipsey always envisioned it. The collection includes a crew neck sweater, a pullover hoodie, sweatpants, and sweatshorts available in both royal and gray colorways. The capsule dropped Friday, October 25th, and was only available exclusively at Fear of God's Atmosphere Retail Exposition located in L.A. 100% of the 100% of the net proceeds will go directly to Nipsey Hussle's Children's Trust Fund. Congrats are in order for D Smoke an Inglewood native who won the first season of Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. He also was a music and Spanish teacher at Inglewood High School. Post the winning of Rhythm and Flow, he released his EP, Inglewood High, which is available on all streaming platforms. Congrats, D-Smoke, and we look forward to all of the amazing projects that you're about to release. You might know Diamond Dime Taylor from her early days sharing her poetry on Tumblr with the never trust tat on her face. Well, that girl from Tumblr is all grown up. She has a beautiful three-year-old and recently released her memoir, Diamond in the Rough. Her book is a raw, witty, and authentic tale of a young woman from Los Angeles sharing her truth of self-discovery and healing from childhood trauma. Her memoir is laid out in such a creative and interesting way that it immediately draws you in. Her book is structured with poems, short reflections, and transcripts from Diamond in the Rough Medical Office, where she has woven in psychiatric evaluations as she addresses her longtime battle with depression and the issues associated with physical harm. Dime states that she has been sad since the age of seven, which was brought on by the feeling of abandonment by her parents. Raised by her grandmother and Aunt Nikki, rest in peace, Dime knows all too well the trauma inflicted upon young women, young children, who later grow to be young women, due to dysfunctional parents. Dime's journey of healing has led her to address some of the most triggering issues of her own past, such as abusive relationships, promiscuity, and addiction. Although her book has only been out for a little over a month, it is already helping young women across the state and even the country come to grips with their triggers anxieties, resentment, sadness, and hatred as they begin to work through the pain of their past and generational trauma. So, Dime, thank you so much for your time. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. That's great. That's great. So... Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to come through. Um, I've definitely been following your work for years now. I'm a fan of what you do and you're a great writer. So the pleasure is all mine. So for those who are not familiar with you, who is diamond dime Taylor? How would you describe yourself to anyone asking? Mm, Well, I would say I'm an artist. I'm a writer. 
don't know, I don't know what else to say. Like I'm from LA. Mm-hmm. How do people know me? Um, I don't know. Okay, okay. Well, we also have Mel mm-hmm. in the building, who is yeah. a very close friend of Dime. So, oh, I no, mean, this is my brother. Oh, this is her brother. This is my blood cousin, but this okay. is my brother. Okay, Facts. my bad, my bad. So, this family right here. So, maybe, you know, you could give us a little bit of insight about who Dime Taylor is. <laughs> you know, um, I'm her real family. So, okay. I got this my big bro right here you know what i'm saying so okay. she uh uh like she said she uh she an artist she uh she's a mother mm-hmm. you know she's a um she's that big sister that will beat you up in front of everybody and get on you and all that <laughs> she's uh you know my guy and not not only is you know she an artist and all that she's uh definitely somebody that you know, I look up to and I take great advice and, you know, direction from her. So definitely. Nice, nice. So let's talk a little bit about Young Dime growing up in L.A. You know, despite the family issues that we on the outside looking in never knew about, how was it overall growing up in L.A.? Um, It was regular to me, you know, like... um. I have fun. I'm a pretty fun person. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. even growing up, even despite all the um like what was really going on, I had like male I had all my cousins. Like my family used to be really tight, so I lived in Windsor Hills, I lived in View Park, so I'd be playing outside riding my bike. You know, I was the only child, so I'd be talking to myself. But like <laughs> when I was by myself I had the most fun, I guess. Nice. I have I had a big, like a really big imagination growing up. Mm-hmm. So and then, you know, living in L.A., it didn't seem like living in L.A. It was just mm-hmm. growing up. Right, right, right. All right, cool, cool. So, on September 20... 20th. 20th, you released your memoir, mm-hmm. Diamond in the Rough. What I like most about your memoir is the intensity and the realness of your work. It is authentic and your voice is clearly defined and compelling. Where do you think that you begin to develop your voice, and when did you decide you were going to write a memoir? I don't know. Look, I know I used to have a journal. I've always mm-hmm. had a journal on me. I used to write, um, rewrite Cinderella over again. Mm-hmm. I used to have like paper this thick or some shit I just made up. Like I was writing with a pencil and everything. Mm-hmm. You can pay me to write with a pencil now. I hate <laughs> it. But that's when I was like in elementary school. And then I don't know when I got outspoken. I really can't recall. I think once I was fed up mm-hmm. with like a lot of bullshit that was going on around me, I just started speaking out. Hmm. Same girl, same. Right. And then I, I like, I don't know. When I started going to therapy, I would just tell them, like, I want to write a book. Like, I'm mm-hmm. telling them about this shit. Like, I need to write a book about this shit. And I just kept saying it to every therapist I went to. And I did that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about therapy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you creatively, you know, like incorporated the the whole aspect of therapy and kind of like the the paperwork involved in the evaluations into into your book 
which I think is just super creative. And it just invites people in who, who are aware of like therapy, but who probably haven't went to it themselves, you Mm -hmm. know? So like how many years were you going to therapy? I started at 15 and then I stopped at 18 and then I started again at 21, Mm -hmm. no 22. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like going to therapy sometimes it's like a little bit hard for people to do to, you know, to kind of like accept that maybe I need to go talk to somebody to work through my problems. Right. So like, what was the the thing that kind of like made you like, this is okay. Like I can go to therapy. I can go and talk to somebody else about what I'm experiencing. Um, well, the first time it was cause I was self harming myself and my uncle and aunt seen it. So they tried to nip it in the bud and just send me straight to a therapist to talk about what was going on. And then this last time it was like, I have just had my daughter and a lot of people were asking me about like, if I was like suffering from postpartum and I was like, no, like I've been depressed my whole life. Mm. This is not going to change nothing. But, um, Mm -hmm. I start like I would leave her with my brother or like with a homegirl or anything, and I think like when they changed her diaper, something in me kind of just was like stay in the room, mm. and I was just like that's like whack as fuck, like that I have like this paranoia, mm-hmm. like I get like you know you gonna check and shit you gonna, but like every fucking person like my brother wouldn't fucking dare, half the homegirls wouldn't fucking dare, right? But just the thought in me, I was like, yeah, I'm probably gonna go crazy by the time she turned thirteen, so I probably should go get some help real fast mm. and heal whatever's going on in my brain to even open this damn door to what could happen to my daughter, right? It's powerful. So, you know, like we're in the digital age of information sharing. We have social media, we have Instagram, you know, which is is really popular for, you know, sharing your content and your ideas. But before Instagram, you, you know, had gathered a notable following on Tumblr. Um, What drew you into Tumblr and what was that experience like sharing your poetry and yourself via this online medium way before Instagram and and why do you think people gravitated towards your work Mm, well I think with Tumblr like that when Tumblr Tumblr had been around for a long time and uh when I just so like when I just so happened to jump in it that's when I was becoming a teenager and becoming like an introvert into myself I stopped playing outside I stopped seeing what my neighbor's friends is doing and stuff. Like, I was just on my computer. And I'm like, yeah, I just adapted to it. I learned how to do that shit. You can't you can't ask me how to code nothing today. I don't know how. <laughs> I used to be a pro at MySpace. Tumblr. Same, same. Now I can't <laughs> barely change my Instagram password. But, um, yeah, man, Tumblr was the shit. When it, y'all, like, y'all remember, like, mm-hmm. That shit had it all on there. And then I just, I posted, I remember I posted one picture. It was like a self-portrait. I had the camera on a timer. And I had my wall. My wall was filled with shopping bags. Because I've just, I guess I've always been creative. <laughs> and so, yeah, it went, it went, it got its notes and went around. And then I had another one and another one. And then I think when I turned 16, maybe. Had a nude lace bra, I mean, a nude lace shirt on with no bra, and then that's when, bam. <laughs> I already been dropping my poetry just because, like, you know, where else was I going to put it? That's what Tumblr was for, right. to me. 
Mm-hmm. So I started putting my poetry on there. And then, <laughs> like the book says, somebody got a hold of a personal email of mine, some girls, and they threatened to put it out. So I was like, I'm about to kill myself. And then, you know, a little intelligent voice came in my head and was like, bitch, put that shit out yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did on Tumblr. Like, where else could I put it? Mm -hmm. And it was like, everybody show love. Like, Mm. they're the same. I was like, wow, we're all pretty fucked up then. (laughs) And I think that's why so many people have adapted to me because yeah we are pretty fucked up mm-hmm. and I could wear mine so. you wear it well you wear it well I hate to, you know it sounds right it sounds weird. crazy but right but I'm, I'm sorry because you know some people unraveling like I said from the outside looking in you know I wouldn't have knew the depth of it you feel me I knew that something was going on but I didn't I didn't know the depth of it you right. know and um so yeah I mean thank you for even you know sharing these parts of yourself so that other people know that they're not, you know, alone in these things that they're going through. Right. Because most of the time growing up, I thought I was alone. Like, and just like I said, my imagination talking to myself growing up, like, it's just so much shit as women that we don't talk about that when we finally talk about it, it's like, Oh, great. Your anxiety goes down. You're not feeling like something's wrong with you. Right. Hmm. Definitely. Um, so before we kind of like get into the meat meat of the book, you know, I kind of want to just talk a little bit more about, you know, just give a little insight about, you know, you and what, what you like, you know, um, who are like some of, of the people that inspire you the most, you know, some figures in history, favorite writers. Is there a woman you know, you identify most with? Yeah, when I was, um, like, super, super, super depressed in high school, I don't know, I can't pinpoint what year, maybe 11th or 12th grade, but Mm -hmm. um, I watched A Girl Interrupted, and I fucking fell in love. Hmm. And then I got the book, of course, and I read it, and I could literally, like, I don't know. It was just like magic reading the book. The book was better than the than the movie. Okay. So Susanna Kaysen, for sure. Like she, man. I I would say besides me being a writer, I would say Susanna Kaysen inspired Diamond in the Rough. She's the one I read. Girl interrupted with the um, medical records in it. Everything. I'm like, yo, shit. The movie's sick. Like you already know the movie's sick. Angelina Jolie in it. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Why on a writer like? But the book, Mm -hmm. oh, like, she inspired me for real. Okay. The whole story. Okay. So I I had to go look it up real quick, you know, because I... You're going to have to watch it after this because the shit's fire. I'm going to watch it. It's all some white shit, but, like, it's very inspiring. Right, right. And so that's the thing is, like, you know, like, you know, there's certain lines to push, um in respect to different races but the thing that makes us human is being able to like relate to each other just you know based on things like beyond race you know and mm-hmm. and mental health is something that everybody and a mama has to has to deal with you know and so i think like that's the the humanizing part of your story stories like girl interrupted and yeah i got to check check this out cuz i 
I had not heard. Yes, fire. And that's dope to see that, you know, she's um, inspiring young girls over here in L.A. Low-key in the hood. But um, I digress. That's dope. I was in Texas in the suburbs when I uh, okay. read that. Yeah, that's what I was about to okay, say. Okay, okay. Like, nah, this was the. I was definitely depressed in the in the white area, yeah. mm-hmm. living very wealthy and all. Uh huh. But still, you know, you were able to. But to, hey, I'm putting all the all the nice hood girls on to Susanna Kaysen. Exactly. So y'all go check her out. Um. All right. So when we talk about Diamond in the Rough, this amazing piece of work that you didn't put together, girl. Kudos. Thank you. Um, which I know, you know, there definitely had to be, you know, ups and downs when writing this. Um, I just want to say personally that I identify so much with your work because when I read your story, I see a young woman trying to piece together the source of her family's dysfunction to understand the trauma of her childhood and the source of her pain. And as somebody that, you know, grew up in South Central in L.A., this is also something that I'm currently dealing with. You know, I've been back in L.A. now for a year from college and I hadn't lived with my parents since I was 12 because I was like in foster care because they was like beating my ass and shit, whatever. I digress. And so going to school, learning about the whole situation about what happened in L.A. in South Central and then coming back with that perspective and then kind of like being back in my parents house after not being around them you know for Mm -hmm. you know high school and all that um well I was around them but I wasn't living with them it it has helped me now to put a lot of things into perspective about what they were going through when they were growing up right young adults raising me and the trauma that they were dealing with which passes down to you mm-hmm. because they hadn't de- dealt they with haven't it. addressed it exactly and a problem that i'm having is um you kind of being ready to to address the trauma and you kind of being able to want to you know get past it but they not Yo, even and in that space I, I don't think i was ready for that either like i wasn't ready for the i wasn't ready for the delusion and the, the denial. The denial. I wasn't ready for that it, but it's here. Real. It hit me. It hit me fast. It hit me fast. Yeah. You know. I even. But like while I was writing it, I asked my mom, like, "Do you want to?" Um, I'm like, "Write me a letter." And like, I don't want people to think you're a bad person. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, just you know, explain why why you are you how you are. And she's just one of those people where she's like, "The past is the past. Like the past is the past." I'm living in the future. Like, you can if you don't address the past. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot live in the present if it's not you. Right. It's not you. So, right. And yeah, I mean, it. like, when you look at it from like a mature perspective as to what they've gone through, it kind of clears out the resentment. Right. Definitely. Just need it because, like everybody says, when you forgive people, it's for yourself, right. not them. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, girl. So, like, yeah, I'm, you know, currently was dealing with a situation like that until I kind of just had well, to. Well, I can only imagine because I don't think people understand truly how important our teenage years are. Our teenage years are way more important than our childhood. That's hmm. what molds us is is that 10, 11, 12, 13 to 20. Right. Not what happened before 10. Like, 
any like I just I was just telling my uh, stepmom I just I just ran into my father before I came here, and I had to go off on him because I it got to the point where I was saying like I didn't have a dad and he said I was there I I was you had a dad I was there till you were ten, <laughs> nigga what <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> And one, it, you're lying. It was like eight, nigga. <laughs> like fuck out of here. And then two, it's just like, what about like <laughs> we're talking? I'm, t- I'm about to be 25 on Sunday, so 10 and 15 years. All right, nigga, are you stupid? Or are you dumb? Like, what? <laughs> make no sense to me. Like, after shit when that happened to me, if it was like really being a fucking father. Mm-hmm. So just now, he had the audacity. You know, hit me with the, I was there till you were 10. Like, the fuck? I wish I would tell my daughter some shit like that. That's goofy. <laughs> Fucking goofy. Nigga, you're 40. You gave me 10 years of your life. Fuck out of here. No, I feel you. I feel you. Um, so how would you say your relationship with your dad is today? Yeah, it's on um, absolute standby. Pause from a distance. Because even now, like, me accidentally running into him... That is specifically what I mean when I say I have PTSD from coming to L.A. Like, when I get to L.A. and I can't even visit my family because the person I'm trying to separate myself from is knocking on the door. Mm. And so, he, even when I tried, I was trying to explain to him how, like, I guess one of my family members on my mom's side told him the family was fighting because I dropped this book. So, I was trying to give him the insight from my perspective, like, yeah... This is what's happening. My mom's saying she didn't do none of it. <laughs> you know, this, that. Everybody's taking it from my grandpa. And then I got to him. I'm like, nigga, to be honest, you probably had the biggest chapter. He's like, yeah. Like, you know, he's laughing and shit, whatever. And so I'm just saying, like, look at my life today and you could just confirm the truth that's in my book. Like, I didn't have no dad. You had a dad? I or. Uh, and like I said, like, and I had to tell him, like, you know, I respected you for so long because you did take accountability for your actions. I see now that's out because I mean he's drinking, he's on the streets, like, of course, like I, my stepmom came in and she said, um, he was belligerent. I couldn't even tell. I don't even know my dad no more, but that's fine. Just stay away from me, sir, because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go off every time I see you. Right. He had the audacity to be like, "Are you bipolar?" <laughs> Like, sir, did you just try to get under my skin like a little kid? Mm. Like, if I am, it's because of you. Right. So. Well. I'll put him in his feelings for the day. I'm sure he'll have cheers to that. Yeah, I mean, I, it sucks when, you know, you have parents that are kind of like off deck a little bit. And they're kind of like still. Both my parents are off deck. And um, as of today, I would just like to make it clear it's me versus everybody. And I'm totally fine with that. Well, you and your tribe versus everybody. Right. But as far as my family goes, like, and I feel like my family, like, is very clicked up, mm-hmm. and there's cliques in my family. Mm-hmm. And, of course, one person from every clique wants to fuck with me, and that's fine. Like, I I feel like not only did I put this book out for my daughter, but before, before my little cousins. Mm. Like, for my little cousins who are afraid to talk to their parents, who are who can't tell their grandma what I'll, what I'll tell their grandma. Like, no, like, I put this out for all of us. So, of course, they come back to me with a little messy self and tell me everything, what's being said and stuff. But I'm over that click shit. Like, mm-hmm. when I come around, don't nobody say nothing to me. Hmm. So, why y'all saying stuff when I'm gone? Right. 
<clears throat> mind you, these are 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 60-year-olds. These aren't, mm-hmm. like... So do you have a big family? Uh, I would say so. Mm-hmm. It's just not as close as it used to be. Right. I feel like that's everybody's family, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. As the time is coming, we're we really... um instilling to keep it real we're really proud of being honest people Mm -hmm. my family not ready for that right right so now that we're talking about family you know um you're having some little family rifts because some people aren't don't understand they don't identify they don't in denial about your experiences and Mm -hmm. like that's one of the biggest things about sharing what we've been through is People wanting to deny what the hell has happened, you feel me? But it you experienced it. Deny it, downplay it, minimize it, like Right. You know? So I just wanna ask you, you know, going on this journey of self discovery, trying to heal from traumas and from that you had to look back. You had to go back to see what exactly was it that your parents had gone through that probably set them on this path and you know what i feel like i always knew okay like i've always known what's happened to my parents like you know it's, it's told to me it's they, they you know when people are talking about my dad and how he turned out they flare their nose at, at my grandpa or whatever it may be but i was like so mad at them for the longest time mm-hmm. because it's like why is the shit that's happening to me happening to me mm-hmm. and i was you know like well this would have never happened to me had i not had no parents right you know but then it got to a point where it was like i didn't have no parents and you know what that might have been a cool thing because what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. and then i look at their situations and that's when i have the compassion with them mm-hmm. but also boundaries mm-hmm. like yeah i feel for you and i wish you the best stay your ass away from me <laughs> no i feel you definitely i just had to um cut ties with my parents quite quite honestly my stepmom was tripping 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 it's like we're at a certain age like it's 2021 right if elders don't respect you (laughs) how i'm coming no like if you don't respect me that's fine i'm not respecting your ass neither older or not right so i want to kind of get a little a little into the book into the to the meat of the content Mm -hmm. to the source of of the pain that you've worked through so, um, you talk a lot about self-harm in your book mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you have a lot of different poems in here and one of the poems that really stood out to me was, I'm that girl. And it was, it was interesting for me to read that one because in it, we, we find that a lot of your, your mistrust or your distrust for people comes from the disappointment of your own parents, specifically your father. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I read that poem for listeners? We don't want to give too much away, but no, we just want to, you know, give them an idea of of how you come in and what you're saying, you know. So, And I, like I said, I identify a lot with your story because it's kind of, it's the same thing that I'm, you feel I me? I feel like, and that's a fucking shame, nigga. Like, it's a fucking shame how many black women have this same fucking story. Like, right. the fuck is going right. on? 
and having to see broken fathers and broken men, you know, and just, you know, like, girl, I, you know, your dad basically is going through the same thing my dad is going through, alcoholism, not having a main, you know, real source of income, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's wild. So when I read this, it's basically like mirroring my own my own stuff in a sense you know that's fire that's just, the goal but also that's not like we need to grow so like that's my next project is we need to grow mm-hmm. from this because you know, i'm getting tired of being angry same girl i know i kind of feel bad because i have to cuss them out but it's okay because okay pause i'm not the only one pause 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 girl it felt good though because i told my stepmom this whole time like, <laughs> that lady, do not I, for some reason i just told my brother i'm like you're supposed to feel good when you go off on somebody like yeah i told that nigga right me, I be just, ugh. Feel bad a Nigga, little bit. Nigga, I should, I, I, a little bit of that, and just, like, it just brings me back to square one. Like, mm. it bring, it just, you know, it, like, it makes me reflect on everything that has happened. Like, even after somebody can say sorry. Right. You see how, you can see how fast they weren't sorry. Right. So, it's just, like, <laughs> then I have to bring myself back mm-hmm. to square 100. Like, all right, I'm back. Right. Like, nigga, don't take me to square one. And I have to go off on your ass. That's whack. I'm tired of being angry. Right. Like, nigga, I'm tired of being the parent of my parents. Fuck out of here. Like, right. that shit is whack. Right. I, and I I just told my stepmom this. I said, now, if Mars ever call me a bitch or say suck my dick, <laughs> I'm going to have to look in the mirror first. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> the fuck type of parent am I? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Like right. so, no. Like the fact that I tell these motherfuckers, man, suck my and 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 they get in their feelings, go out and do their own thing, and never change. Like wow, y'all motherfuckers don't give a fuck if I tell y'all suck a hundred dicks. Y'all, y'all gonna do what y'all want. <laughs> right, right. All right. So let's let's get into this. So this poem was written in 2014, mm-hmm. and it's called um, a while ago. I'm that girl. I mean. I feel like I, I think I was working at uh, the Slauson Sought Me when I wrote that. Okay, yeah, give us some give us some context. You was working in the Slauson in 2014, sure. mm-hmm. and I wrote that shit right there in the Slauson. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good backdrop to write something like this. I could see something like this being written in the Slauson. Ratchet ass cubicle selling YG shirts. The fuck? What <laughs> is that? Where you met Brian Pumper? Yes. This nigga. Man. Gross. <laughs> Gross. This nigga. Okay. <laughs> Gross. That's where he meet all his fucking victims. I think I think he actually is battling with mental health too, quite honestly. But I digress. We don't gotta go there about him. Okay. I'm that girl. We're gonna focus on the artiste and her story. Thank you. So I'm that girl scarred by her father's insecurities. My daddy lost his mind and I lack purity. I fall for the same niggas who act like the same nigga. My mama got tatted on her titty. My daddy does drugs and I fuck niggas who wouldn't even know that I'm this witty. My daddy does drugs and I stop and stop giving a fuck about me clearly. Never trust tatted on my face, plotting on the wrong niggas to take daddy's place. Yeah. Definitely. So, like, I feel like that one kind of, like, really sums up girls that have these strained relationships with their fathers and how that manifests itself in the types of men that she kind of is attracted to or attracts or even just deals with generally. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if more, 
if if we had these great relationships with our fathers, like that's the baseline to show us like examples of healthy relationships, how women should be treated and stuff like that. And um, so for those that, you know, haven't had to deal with dysfunctional parents, you know, just describe to the listeners, what does it feel like to have a father who seemingly chose drugs over kind of being as consistent and solid in your life as he could be? And what do you think has affected your father in such a way that he would not only be inconsistent with his daughter, but to the point where he missed the birth of your daughter? Mm, I feel like... Okay, what's the first question? How does oh, sorry. it feel? That was loaded, huh, girl? My How bad. does it feel to... Who chose drugs over you, right? It hurts. It hurts my fucking feelings. Like, fuck like fuck compassion. Fuck trying to see why he's doing drugs. That shit hurts my feelings. Then I put my feelings to the side, and I say, oh, why? Right. And then I could see, oh, well, his mother was a hoe, and his father was a pimp. And he wasn't raised by pretty much neither... Uh, he was raised by his grandma. Right. And she went, I mean, yeah. What's the next question? You answered it. What do you think has affected him in such a way, you know? Losing my my great-grandma. That was the only person who really um, had his back and who provided for him, who took care of him, loved him. Okay. And he's. It's, it seems to me that he's lost every woman after that. So he lost my grandma. Then he lost my mom. Then he lost his sister, which is my aunt Nikki, and then he lost my auntie Elvita, which is his aunt who also took care of him. So I feel like he holds on to that and pities himself. Mm-hmm. And then also, what keeps him in the streets is that he's ashamed that he's never done nothing. Mm. But um, yeah, that sounds whack as fuck to me. I don't give a fuck. So any parents, any niggas out there who don't provide for their children and, and don't even have the audacity to go around because you can't provide, you're whack. Right. So now that you, you know, like you, you're trying to like understand your, your families more. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you actually have a conversation with your grandfather, Mm -hmm. the father of your dad. My Papa Andre. Yeah. Papa Andre. And, you know, you reveal his, his ideologies and his actions about the quote unquote white man. Um, and his dealings with white women, which would later lead to the birth of your father. Mm-hmm. And you pose a powerful question during this dialogue with your grandfather. And you, um, who was saying, you know, like, well, my kids, they're, they're cute. They look good. You know, like, hey. I couldn't believe he said that shit. <laughs> you said. Right, what? What is handsome to the equivalent of being broken? And I just think that that's like so powerful, you know. And um, what is it about your Papa Andre story that helped you to understand your father more? Um, well, you know, I could just see who my Papa Andre is. He's very egotistical. He's mm-hmm. very prideful. He's very, um, he argue, he used to argue with all my aunts. He used to, my, oh, my grandma hates him. Like, so he's just that, like, he's one of those niggas that you, you probably hate. Like, you talk too much. You think you know everything. One of those. Mm-hmm. Me, though, because he's my Papa, I actually have fun with him. I could laugh with him, make jokes. Mm-hmm. I like hearing enough stories about the hoes. Right. Up until it gets deep, up until, you know, my feelings get back in. And I'm asking him, like, bro, what happened to my dad? Right. Because I didn't have one, nigga. <laughs> and then that's what, well, you know, <laughs> whatever he gets to fucking preaching, well, you know. 
I was in the life, and um, okay, bitch. So you, you didn't raise your son. That's right. what you're saying. And then right. the fact that my grandma didn't raise him, like his mother, of like nigga, if I feel this type of way about my father not being here, I can only imagine how he feels about his mom not being there. Right. Ho or not. Right. White or not. Right. Like, bitch, where were you? And it's just like me thinking like today, there's no fucking way. Like, <clears throat> I know my daughter could be somewhere, and I'm not fighting for her. I'll die for mine. I could never be like, yes, she could go stay with you. Nah, nigga, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. So where did your grandpa grow up at? South Central. So, like, do you think that your family, your, wow. Like, do you think the environment had played a role, you know, at all? I don't know. Well, my father, no, because he lived in like Vegas and Hawaii. My grandpa was pimping in Hawaii when my grand, when my grand, when me, when my dad was growing. How did he get from South Central to Hawaii? Girl, you should. You said you he wanted to bread. write. Yeah, bread. He had bread. No, I wanted to write a book about Papa Andre, and then I got I started thinking about like, first of all, you was pimping women, right? Like that's one thing. Like I don't like. Yeah, they was all like his justification is they was white. <laughs> 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 But also, that's not fire, nigga. Like, you pipping women. Right. But, and then the part that I don't respect is, bitch, you getting them pregnant. How many? I, I have an uncle and my dad. And okay. my uncle, he my, my grandpa didn't even raise him. She took off with him. I was like, nah. And he turned out fine. I think nigga about to be like an LAPD. Like, oh, <laughs> well, what a story for you, sir. Why don't you write a book? You should have your own podcast. Low key. But like. Do I want to talk every day? Do I want to talk once a week? Like, I don't know. I know. I, one thing I don't like is inconsistency. So for uh, me to even girl, like know, get on a, a mic and then never do it again, yeah. I, they would bug me. Like, like yeah, what are you doing? Right, right, right. I feel you. But no, the the flow, the the commentary is all good. It's all good. All right. So. Agent Sunny she can help you buy or sell your home a luxury or income property agent sunny is the one that you want to see hi i'm sunny jones your community real estate partner real estate ownership is key to building generational wealth and it matters who you work with whether you're buying or selling, I am here to help you win. Let's chat. You can find me at agentsunnyjones.com, Facebook, and Instagram, or by text 323-793-7651. If you need a home, call Sunny Jones. 323-793-7651. So when you need a home, call Sunny Jones. When you need a home, call Sunny um so one of the things that people seem to be very drawn to you um about as well as your writing is your journey to motherhood you took your pregnancy very serious um and you seem to really connect to the aspect of the womb man the womb the womb womb man and our ability and power <laughs> as women to bring life into this world what is it about being a mother that has helped you to understand the world around you more um 
I mean, it's basically to me, after having my daughter, it's like I won't take your shit. For sure, for sure. I'm not taking no bullshit. I'm not taking nothing less than I like to me I I want to be a fine example to my daughter. I actually take pride right now in um going off on my dad in front of her. She was like behind me like, Don't don't and I was like, Yeah, that's my baby. <laughs> And I feel like that's a fine example. You stand up for yourself. Even if it's with me, you better stand up to yourself. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. That one day she'd be like, bitch, I'm be like, oh, wait a minute. Let's talk about it then. Because you feel mm-hmm. some type of way. I could tell, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I just, you know, make sure I move to be an example for her. A strong example. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to smile in your face and then give them, get in the car and we talking about you. Like, no, we're going to tell you right in your face. My daughter going to be a witness to that too. Like, <laughs> But yeah, you know, I think when anybody has kids, like you, you learn not to take shit. Like you don't have the time for that. So right, has it like expounded what you feel like, like your role as a woman is? You know, like I don't know. I just feel like women who like have kids, they just be more like I don't know, like no. I feel like I was always motherly. Like I feel like um. I feel like I raised my brother in a way. I feel like I've definitely raised my brothers in Texas when mm-hmm. their mom passed away. I feel like I raised myself. I feel like I've raised my parents. So, like, in a way, I feel like I've been parenting. So, with Mars, it was just, like, an award. Mm-hmm. Like, now I finally can take care of something that I can see grow from in my stomach to a full adult woman like this is i i not to say i control her destiny but i'm the one who's molding my daughter you know right and it and it for sure ain't finna be no the environment like no nah, <laughs> nigga i'm here like right 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 isn't right. that you're not gonna hear nothing about mars where you're saying well you know that happened to her nah right you're gonna be like did you hear what her mama did after that shit happened to her mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 right right all right, so here's a, like I said, I won't be giving away too much of your book, but I think, like, this is definitely something that I want to kind of just touch on real quick. Um, so, again, I talk about your story, helping people beyond race, because it's something that you can connect to, but, again, I identify with your story so much. Um. No, don't get it twisted. I wrote this book for my people. I didn't write it for nobody else. If they want to pick it you up, can by all means, right. you could do that. If right. you, I've seen a few um, snow bunnies come in my DMs and show their appreciation. That's fine. I mm-hmm. appreciate that. That sucks that you had to go through that. Mm-hmm. But this is for my people. Mm-hmm. This is for my sisters. Well, I appreciate it, girl. I appreciate it. So, um... All right, I want to, I don't know, maybe not read the whole thing, but um, this is something that you've written about your grandmother, Robinette, who's your mother's mom. Yeah, my aunt just called me her name by accident yesterday, so shout out to that. See, and you write about that here, you know. So um, this is, is, you know, trying to understand the root of your mom's trauma and pain. Um. You, you kind of got to look, you know, like what she was going through when she was younger and mm-hmm. something that she dealt with very early <clears throat> on is losing her mother at 14. Mm-hmm. 
Um, to it, a heroin overdose. Yeah, that's heavy. It's deep to me because I'm sure deep. she started with like the oxycodones and the um and the hydrocodines. I'm sure she started with all the shit I used to be addicted to. Mm. And so just to think, and to be frank, I felt myself getting to a point where the pills weren't doing it, and I was watching intervention, like seeing the addicts on there go through it, and I knew like, oh, hell no, that ain't finna be me. <laughs> but I knew like. <laughs> What 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 else would be next after those right. pills? Right. It would be heroin. So it's like that. It's a it's a dub for that. Like right, we breaking cycles out here, sis. What the fuck? Period. Period. And um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good looking people that end up off deck. So you know, like what? I think I I'm starting to believe it's because motherfuckers think they looks get them somewhere, but. It can. I told my dad today when I was telling him, like, yeah, I'm about to go on a podcast and talk about you. Um, this is when we was being cordial. <laughs> I was trying to explain to him the book situation, and I said, we we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about how Papa Andre said you were handsome, even though you're a crackhead. This nigga had the audacity to start laughing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I look like, <laughs> I guess. Right. I guess he agreed with Papa Andre on that part. But he what, sure didn't say nothing. What good is being handsome when you're broken? You Period. feel me? And I just think that shit is just so powerful. I keep coming back to that because, like, my uncle is homeless on the streets of South Central, like, right literally in the same neighborhood that we grew up in. You know, he lived with his mom until she passed away. Never really had no job, no skills. So, you know, you, it's a wrap. You crapped out. You feel me? We can't, in it. we can't, we have to stop enabling our fathers, our brothers and everything. Like, nigga, something wrong with you. Go get that shit fixed. Right. Like, I had got into it that day. You know, I was really going so hard with my Papa Andre because I was going hard for my dad. Right. Today he tells me, you know, it's how you talk to people. <laughs> I said, nigga, how I talk to people. <laughs> how I talk to the people who enable you. Mm. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Right, right, right. He's handsome. Bitch, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Yeah, my uncle was a super good looking handsome. crackhead. Oh, fuck. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, all right, so Robinette, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote something in your book to reflect on her life, and I'm going to read a little bit about it. Um, You say, when I think of my story and the courage I have to speak up, I think of all the people who didn't make it this far to be able to. When y'all see drug addicts, I see undisclosed pain because I've been there. When y'all see homeless people, I see people who got lost in the fear of their full potential because I've been there. The picture is just so much bigger, but we be too busy looking down on others as if we're any better than them. My mom lost her mother in May of 1992 when she was only 14 years old. She got pregnant with me two years later, but I couldn't fill the void she was longing to fill. She needed me to, but I couldn't. My mom has cried every year on Mother's Day since I can remember. I know there's much more missing from my grandmommy, Robinette's story, than what's been told. And I truly wish she was here to share her truth. All right, I got to read this last part because this is boom, too powerful. Okay. One thing I do know is that when our body dies, our souls do not. You feel me? Robinette got that big energy. I know that she's the something in me that I feel pushing me hard to have this courage to speak my motherfucking mind to entitled ass people. Never mind how they might feel after. It's her energy inside me giving me the strength to press on and be the greatest 
realest version of me. When my aunts and older cousins call me her name by what they think is an accident, it's not. She is me and I am her. Ashe. Ashe. Mm-hmm. Ashe. So, girl, the writing is just, uh, oh my God. So, you know, what other than, you know, what happened, what what else do you know about her story? You know, like what, anything led up to that nobody said? like No, I don't know. But you know what I'm finding out? Since it is dying versus everybody, nobody in my family takes responsibility for shit. So mm-hmm. if something did happen, ain't nobody finna come forward. And what I do know is that when you're down in my family, mm-hmm. everybody talks about you. So while she was going through this fucked up shit, they probably were looking at her crazy talking down. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they ignored. I feel like certain people in my family turn they blind eyes to the truth. Right. They close their ears and everything. And then, oh, I don't know what, I, what how she turned out that way. So, Nigga, you didn't try to do your research then. So is Grandma Jean her mom? Mm-hmm. And you were really close to Grandma Jean. No, I am close. That's you my am grandma. Close. She's who oh. raised me, if anybody raised me. And you couldn't get no information really from her about her own kid? No. T- tight lip. Tight lip. She don't know. She don't know. Well, how did they say she was as a person? You know, I know she they had to like describe me. her. Like you? Like, she didn't take shit from my aunts. When they did say something to her, she didn't care. She did what she wanted to do. She was wild. Mm-hmm. She did her thing. She a Leo, so I'm sure she's much, probably much more than me. Shit. Right. Like, trying to be on my case. Where did, um, did she grow up at? Right South now? Central. My grandma lived in South Central. Every my whole family lived in South Central. Only my aunt Nikki moved to Texas. Okay, because she wanted to give her sons better. Right. Shout out to aunt <clears throat> shout out to aunt peace. Nikki. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about you and your mom. You know, we we touched on your dad. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about your mom. Something that you have in your book. You have a couple of you know you you write in depth about the the relationship with your mom is a strained one fights and arguments and stuff like that but there's also two letters in there one that you wrote to your mom in 2015 and one that you wrote to her in 2018 the one in 2015 and 2018 are drastically different in the 2015 letter you seem to be like cutting ties with her because after years of abuse you were then pregnant with your daughter and you didn't want anything to taint her golden aura period quote unquote in the 2018 letter you seem to be coming to terms with the source of your mother's own trauma and seem to be a little bit more inviting in a sense to to um relationship building what Mm -hmm. do you think influenced the drastic change in the tone of the letters within that three-year period um sorry pause i'm so sorry it's one eleven. Make a wish. I can't say it out loud though. Okay, sorry. Damn. So basically, um Okay, that two thousand fifteen letter was was it low key. She pissed me off that year. Don't <laughs> fucking play with me. But um I had it I had it plastic. Remember I had that shit taped on my on my door? Oh, so yeah, every time she sure. if she had to ever come in, she Right there. <laughs> even even when we got past it, after I had my daughter, I still had it taped on my door. Like wow. I didn't untape that shit until I moved out that apartment. Like, bitch, hello. 
Mm-hmm. Hello, read it again if you need help. Right. And everything from that, she threw in my face. Like that, like oh, literally like a week after, like you have demons, you're a demon, you have demons inside of you. I'm like, well, bitch, I'm glad you read it at least. But um, and so then yeah, so then I thought I was in a good place. I had just went to Texas to get away from specifically her, mm-hmm. and I stayed out there. I was writing my book, and um, yeah, I was in a good space. I was ready to forgive her for everything she's ever done to me, okay. and then I just had to realize like something is wrong with her and i have to you know when she ha- when she's having good episodes i will be there okay when she is bad toodles miss i'm not the one and it's just that i'm not your i'm not your punching bag i'm not you're not gonna manipulate me you're not gonna finesse me nothing like right and i feel like my my mother you know she survives off of the survival tactics she taught herself mm-hmm. so no shade to that you know but like not your own fucking daughter. Right. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, I got a, a few more questions here. Um, and I kind of want to touch on, you know, shout out to Grandma Jean. Mm-hmm. The woman who raised you a lot, mm-hmm. you know, played a major role, I guess. Like, what would we as black kids do without, without our, our grandparents. fucking grandparents? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Miss my grandma. Okay. So, um, n- okay. So not enough credit was some, one of, you know, like the tears throughout reading, you know, just like identifying with certain things like, you know, so when people send you those messages, like, girl, this made me cry. Like, I know what they talking about. You I know me? what they talking about too, because when I read their paragraphs, I start to cry sometimes. I'll be like, this is. It's about delivery, like, you know, like, everybody goes through stuff, but it's only certain people that can relay that shit in a way that it just really resonates with people. That shit is really a gift, yo, you and know? I'm so grateful for it. Yes. Because so that's the change that is in me from the people who were before me. Right. Definitely. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about Grandma Jean. And in your poem, Not Enough Credit was one that, you know, really touched me because it made me reflect on the role that my own grandmother played in my life. Rest in peace. One thing that you talk about in regards to your great-grandmother is that she was always there for you, and she also happened to be white. Um, You know, because you have, you know, a mixed family. Um, What was that reality like, having a white grandmother and being a black woman? Well, I'm not too far from white, obviously, but still somehow I would be embarrassed when she would drop me <laughs> off at Windsor Hills for school. I'd be like this. And I can't even imagine. I used to be like, how old are you in the second grade? Like Six. eight. Who was I to tell my grandma to park at the corner so nobody saw me get out of her car? Mm. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Like, I love my granny. Facts. I love my grandma. And Big I was sitting here. Out. I was sitting here ducked underneath the dashboard <laughs> when we drove past all the kids. That shit makes me sad. But, mm. uh, and another thing. But, you know, she got her little jokes out of it. She started. I, I ended up going to Kelso in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. And sis had the audacity to pull up one day with a cowboy hat on. And she stood <laughs> on the corner. I walked right past that lady. She said, dime. I said, leave me alone. That's granny. Too. Leave me alone. That's granny. So, yeah, it was just, like, embarrassing. And then once I was just like, nigga, that's my granny. That's who right. took care of me. That's right. who, who you know, stepped up to the plate. Right, like, right, right. 
I was like, oh, well, she white. It is what it is. It is what it is. So at what age do you think you finally, like, kind of just, like, snapped out of that and was like, you know what, this, you know, like. I think I was only embarrassed, like, during that time, like, elementary okay. school. And right. then, no, by the time I got to middle school, I was I'm fucking on the phone crying, begging for her to come pick me up. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even about having fun no more. By the time right. I got to middle school, that's when I started, like, Grandma, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Get me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'd be crying on the phone my grandma, like, whispering type shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to come tomorrow at 4. She's going <laughs> to get me. Like, nah. <laughs> I know. So when y'all cop, y'all cop her book, make sure y'all go in and check that out. Um, you don't get enough, enough credit. Not enough credit. I really like that piece. Um, shout out to Grandma Jean. She's a real one. Just from what I can read. Um, all right. So we're talking about Grandma Jean. And um, in addition to being such a major influence in your life, Grandma Jean was also married to your grandfather. Yeah, my grandpa. Who, you know, um, just like a lot of people, families, in you know the black community too like i don't know what it is about not being able to address sexual assault in <clears throat> i don't families. know what, it, what it's about either at this point but i will say though like it is um a little bit awkward maybe as a parent to want to talk to somebody about it because you might feel <sighs> I, I don't know i just would feel crazy if i had the audacity to talk to my Hey, Mars been acting weird. Something going on? Knowing damn well, you know, but sometimes you just never know. Right, right. And so the fact that I wouldn't want to go to him like that, I wouldn't want to go to my, my other brothers like that or my uncle. So right. I just, I could feel how a parent from a parent is like, a, is something, because it could be your mind, you know, I'm crazy, like, right. but no. Okay, for sure, for sure. Um, So... Grandma Jean it was is married was married to your grandfather mm-hmm. that um that that happened to that that happened you. to molest me right yes. um and so but she actually turned out to be very supportive mm-hmm. and I feel like I kept it for so long like I didn't really address it myself till I was fourteen because that's when he passed away okay so I, it happened when I was about like you know nine to twelve. At least that's when I, like, caught him. I caught him once only, and then after that, I changed everything. I changed, you know, when you're little, you wear a T-shirt and your panties. Well, no, I was wearing T-shirts and pajama pants, you know. And I I used to sleep at the foot of his bed, but I ended up moving and sleeping right next to my grandma. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she was supportive. But for a long time, I was just like, who is little old me to throw away a a, a union of 60 years? Like, who is, who am I? Like, me? Like, why would I break their marriage up? Or even so, like, what if she don't believe me? Mm-hmm. Or what if she do believe me? Right. Like, I didn't want my heart to break. I didn't want her heart to break. My shit was already fucked up, you know? But it was so fucked up that I was like, you know, I could hold this shit in. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I got tired of that shit, watching all that Larry Nassar shit mm-hmm. on the fucking internet and, and mm-hmm. shit. Like, oh, yeah. Like, she over here next to me. Why don't girls, why don't girls say anything? Like... Mm-hmm. Like, my grandma has actually said a lot of stuff that she, like, subconsciously said that triggers me. Okay. Where I'd be like, girl, shut up. So, you say, like, the Larry Nassar, and this is the the um, the Olympics gynecologist that caught that case for inappropriately touching those girls, right? Mm-hmm. And though, um, 
he actually got sent to prison. And so you would say it's during this time, you said watching these trials is mm-hmm. where you kind of begin to kind of talk about what happened to you with your grandmother. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't even wrote the B pumper piece yet. Oh, wow. I just told her. And I was like, shit, if I could tell her, I should go write a fucking book. Because mm-hmm. also, how many other women out here have been fucking sexually assaulted by this weird ass nigga you know or weird ass niggas in general you Period. feel me but yeah him too you know specifically no, i feel like because he's his i've seen from my own eyes how manipulating the nigga is to like you know i can only imagine how many other women have willingly signed a release form to a photo shoot quote unquote mm-hmm. and then i don't you see a bitch like me not gonna make it too far on the camera because uh, <laughs> fuck is you doing? But I don't. I know I'm aware of some of the women who <clears throat> ended up fully on camera looking. You know how they don't want to ever look. Hmm. So it's like egg oh, smashed on your head. It could have been me if I wasn't like nigga. What are you doing? <laughs> like so no. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you even had to come across some shit like that and have to have that experience with him, you know. But, yeah, girls definitely. I'm surprised ain't nothing happened to that nigga. There's too many women out here who he has done that to. Where are the brothers? Where are, where are the fathers? Hello, like, why is this nigga still walking freely around? Why nobody two-piece this nigga? Why ain't nobody shot this nigga? Like, right. no. Right. That's a good question. Now, now, let's just really think about this. Now, if my father was in the right mind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he even knew about this shit. What? Wouldn't be no be pumper no more. I'm telling you, cause I know my dad in the right mind will die for me. Mm. My dad off the shits, I won't speak for bro. But my dad in his right mind, I know nigga will die for me. Mm. So even like shit just like that, like the fact that I can think about how Brian Pumper is walking around freely, and my dad is in the streets. Like, how does that make me feel? Like, I have to stand up for my own fucking self. Right. I have to speak for my own fucking self. Like, I don't have no protector. So that's probably where a sense of, like, your strength and your voice comes from. Is and my resentment. To, yeah. And your resentment. Having to speak and advocate for yourself. Um. All right. So I probably got, like, a couple more questions for you, you know. And since we're talking about your dad, we mentioned your dad. Um, one of the questions that I had kind of towards the end is, um, you know, close to the end of your book, you write about, and we kind of already talked about this, Mm -hmm. loving your father from a distance and finally realizing that his toxic ways were unhealthy to your development and your self-care. You write that it is okay to choose yourself first and you don't have to stay with your abusers. How hard was it for you? How hard was this decision for you, considering that so for, for so long your father had been a major, like we could tell that you have an undying love for your father, but for so long he was a major source of your pain and someone that you even loved unconditionally through so many disappointments. How hard was it for you or, you know, to just finally say, you know what, dad, like, I'm going to have to love you from a distance. I can't allow you to. Yeah, it was those hormones because I just happened to be three months pregnant Mm -hmm. when that happened. And so it was my hormones like fired up like nigga Mm -hmm. Like you got you got one chance to answer these questions. Right. Right. And he couldn't do that. And so toodles. Mm -hmm. 
My my little brother calls me, not him, but my other little brother calls me an extremist. And I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> and if you don't like it, stay the fuck away. <laughs> and those are my boundaries. Right. It's easy. Like, <laughs> like you either going to be clean or not. You feel me? Like, you either right. going to do what you say or you're not going to do it. It's, I'm not a in-between. I'm not a day-by-day, like, nah, nigga. Right. Speak that shit into existence. Let me hear the confidence in your voice. Hmm. I heard none of that. Oh, I got to back the fuck up. <laughs> If you don't want no friends with low self-esteem, you for sure don't want no daddy with no low self-esteem. Okay. You can't trust those people. That's deep, girl. I had to go think about my own shit. Okay. Girl, you're right. You are so right. Um. So, before I close out, I just want to kind of just touch on this for a moment for people that might be experiencing things like this. Mm-hmm. is um something very serious that you know it takes a level of strength and just comf- comfortability within yourself to just talk about and so um one of the aspects that you discuss in your book is self-inflicted harm specifically though how you overcame this situation of cutting yourself you know like not you know, because in your book, you describe cutting and what leads to it and why people do it. And then clear, like, you know, you, but people do it to where it's not even that deep, you mm-hmm. know, but it's still pain that's inflicted. There's still scars that's there, but it's not enough to where, you know, you're trying to like cut major veins and like, um, yeah, for some different people, people don't do it. Some, some people, people, um, no, I would say majority of the people who do that, um, don't want to die. Right. Like, truly in their hearts, they don't want to die, but they also don't want to be sad. They'd rather be physically hurt mm. than to be sad. At least that way they could doctor themselves. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, okay. So, there's, there's this piece in there called, um, entitled La Brea in West Haven. And you talk about cutting yourself for the first time at the White House on La Brea after being told that your father was not coming back. Um, and that we find out that the source of your pain, your rage, and your sadness is actually your parents. And you, you include a short essay that you wrote for English class about self-harm, which I think does a great job explaining to those unfamiliar with the root causes of self-harm. Was this hard for you at all to address? And what was the biggest message that you wanted to get across? By telling your story. Well, it's like, thank God I'm a hoarder because I just so happened to keep that English paper. Mm. My God, what if I would have really tried to rewrite that shit? But it was perfect. <laughs> I did rewrite it to make it sound like, you know, today the fuck you're not finna have me sounding crazy. <laughs> but um <clears throat> I'm just I'm actually kinda blessed that my teacher even let me tackle that while I was a student in her class that she known had to go to the counselor's office a whole bunch of times of the years. Like she really let me tackle that. And I also learned a lot too, you know, because because um yeah, it's like you know, I don't know, I just learned a lot from that shit. Like even mm-hmm. like I knew why I did it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to sit here and explain why others do it too, mm-hmm. I can't speak for the ones who do it for you know attention. Right. I mean, either way, we're all it's a cry for help. Right. So no, it's you know, but like mm-hmm. the ones where you could. Bitch, you ain't, you know, what you doing? Right, Just right. stop. You know it hurts. Just stop. So. Mm-hmm. But no, if you're out there hurting yourself, you should stop. 
and it, it does get better definitely and, and don't it does be get better today and it's about to be 2020 i mm-hmm. look in the mirror and i feel silly i feel silly for cutting myself don't feel silly once you look in the mirror feel silly because once you look in the mirror and you really instill that self-love there's no mm-hmm. way that you could really hurt yourself for another motherfucker <laughs> i used to tell my therapist these these cuts on my arms have a name mm-hmm. i should have cut the motherfuckers <laughs> fuck it like what, what why was i cutting myself I'm not advising to go cut a motherfucker, right. but like literally, like choose yourself. A motherfucker does you dirty, brush them off and never speak to him again. It's fine. Mm. Better is coming. Like, don't mm. hurt yourself because another motherfucker doing and what they and what they've done to you. Right. They not worth it. Period. And Period. that's why I feel silly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, I just remember being so hurt by these motherfuckers and like crying and just like envisioning them while I'm hurting myself. And what? Hmm. Where are they at right now? Hmm. Same place. Same place. Same place. What was I hurting myself over them for? It's a shame. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's escapism. It's no different from doing drugs. It's no different from drinking. Like it's that's what you you grow addicted to when you need an escape. Right. And that one just so happened not to be fire. Not saying drugs and alcohol is fire, but like Mm -hmm. hurting yourself Mm -hmm. physically over a nigga. (laughs) May it be your father, grandfather, uncle who's not shit. Like, I don't know. Don't do that shit. Right. Choose yourself. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So, Mel. Yeah. You know, you got your big cousin Mm -hmm. slash sis over here dropping dropping gems telling her her journey and her story Mm -hmm. how does it make you feel to be able to look at your beautiful family member and what she has overcome and you know you've watched her journey as her family member just how do you feel to today to see her express herself in such a way to see that she's completed such a great body of work how does that make you feel man i'm proud you know what I'm saying? And to know that with time, we've gotten to a place and she's gotten to a place where we're actually breaking cycles. Mm-hmm. And as the, you know, the offsprings of these people, being able to see their flaws and seeing why, you know, the root of the whole shit. Right. And for her to, you know, put this shit together and push it the way she is and having an impact on, you know, the community mm-hmm. and who she fuck with. I'm proud of that. You know what I'm saying? And to see, you know, my niece soak up all this shit early. Mm. Proud of that shit. You know what mm. I'm saying? Definitely, definitely. All right. So, um, what's next for Dime Taylor? Um, Not no sad shit. That's all I know. Period. That's all I know. Not no sad shit. Not no angry shit. I might, like, you know, fuck around with a little sex book or something. Or even a novel. A little Zane, period. I, I might get on my super head shit, so to speak. Um, okay, a little tell-all, a little freaky tales on that. Yeah, because I'm way too fucking fun and funny not to be taking these niggas' heads off. I think a novel, too, would be great. I think great. a novel, too. Cause I think like, that would be great. Yeah, no. Like, let me tell the real truth in a novel. And give another person you know, name exactly. Since, since y'all want to be in y'all feelings, let me really tell some truth and let me go ahead and name her after one of y'all. For sure, for sure. Well, definitely dope projects, but not no sad shit. No, no, I'm, I'm tired. I'm fucking right. tired of this shit. 
Well, I feel like it's a triumph. This is triumph. This is a sadness. I feel like Diamond in the Rough is is the the road to triumph. You feel me? This right. is what you've overcame. And that's why I named it Diamond in the Rough because sometimes people get offended when they're called a diamond in the rough as mm-hmm. if like, oh, like right. I need mm-hmm. to be polished. But mm-hmm. like, sis, maybe you need to be polished. Like, you're not perfect. We're not perfect. And that's exactly like we all diamonds in the rough. Right. Definitely, definitely. All right, so tell the people where they can follow your work and where they can purchase your book or also anything else that you think is relevant for the listeners to know. Okay, um, well, no, um, y'all can order my book on Amazon and I have my website, Zion Taylor, coming. It should be here by November. Oh, my God. I mean, it's here. If y'all know the asses, go Google it. But oh my nonetheless, God. it'll be ready by November, which is in um, a week. So I just saw a little. And y'all could peak. buy um y'all could buy books from there too if y'all want. And I'll probably come out. Oh 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 shit! Okay, okay. <laughs> here comes the promo. I'm about to come out with a journal, a oh. self reflective journal. I got the topics down. I got the affirmations down. I got the dream journal. Fuck with me. Okay, so that's what's next. That's Clearly, what's next is the journal, the affirmate the. Yeah, no, it'll all be in the journal. In the journal. Okay, so the journal. Self-healing journal. The self-healing journal. So, cop the memoir, Diamond in the Rough on Amazon. Follow her on Instagram at Dime Taylor. Website about to be dumb cracking. Popping. And I just want to give a shout out to my brother Mel and to my Mm -hmm. sis Cloud9. And... The Rat Feminist, of course. Zola, everybody, like... Facts. Everybody, Taylor, Josh, you feel me? My best friends, my bitches, my husband, my daughter, mm. everybody, my grandma. Okay, let's just two seconds. Let's give a little quick little shout out to her at Feminist. Why do you think okay. that you identify so much with Miss Tasneem and what she got going on? Another creator. I'm going to just be honest. It's like <laughs> one time I attempted to steal one of her captions <laughs> and put it in a card. And that's when I was like, yo, if I gotta steal her shit, like, yo, I look up to <laughs> she her. Liked that. Right, right. Yeah, she liked I that. I'm like, if I gotta steal her caption to her man to put him in a car to go to my man, ah! this bitch can write. <laughs> so that's when I realized, I'm like, yo, never mind that she beat me to the hood rap feminist. Like, she's really like, yeah, she's an amazing artist mm-hmm. all around. Right. Like, out of Philly. Um, I look up to her. Mm-hmm. I look up to her. Oh, and shout out to the hood healer. That's my sis, Money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Girl, I need to get more into my little, like, you know, chart readings. Like, I'm so lost when it comes to all that stuff. I'm so lost. And, like, all that. Like, don't I'm trying be. to get in tune with the, I don't even look with into the crystals it no and more. the chakras and the, you feel me? Yeah, you got to get right with the, with the chakras and the crystals. Yeah. You got to make sure your crystals is real. Girl, for real. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, girl, Miss Woman. Because, you know, this is bro woman. You about to be 25. Sis. You feel oh, me? Oh, God. It's amazing. Come at me if you want. <laughs> Get your ass boobopped. <laughs> well, look, Dime, thank you so much for your time. They're going to be like, damn, I didn't know she sounded like this. <laughs> like what? How I sound. Girl. They try to get on live occasionally. I didn't know she talked like this. Like, She's ghetto. Ghetto. <laughs> yeah, they try it. What's that meme says? It's sometimes I talk intelligent, sometimes I talk ghetto. Both times you heard what the fuck I said. So as I long talk as in you... strictly ebonics, okay? So you either I get with it or you don't. Cause, I love it. Um, it's like music to our ears, you feel me? You Somebody feel me? like me. Uh-huh. It's like music to my mm-hmm. ears. So I love it. You 
we ain't code switching over here. This is how we talk. It is what it is. I love it. It is what it is. If you ever start a podcast, I would it, definitely To me, listen. it's like the same shit where they be like, I didn't know you went through that much. Well, bitch, now you see why I talk this way. <laughs> shit. I love it. I could listen to you all day, girl. I could listen to you all day. But I know you got things to do. I got kids and stuff. You got kids to feed and kids to look after. And... Mm-hmm. Okay, so look. This is the last question, question, show for show. Okay. Mars. Mars. Why that name? Oh, because... um, The name of your daughter, Okay, let's, let's get into it. Is that tatted on your chin, too? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, my favorite movie, one of them, is She's Gotta Have It. Okay. So, I was either going to name my daughter Nola mm. or Mars. Those are my two favorites. Aww. So, then, she's supposed to be like, I don't know. Whatever. So then I started looking into her birthday, but her her due date kept changing. Okay. So she, she it looked like she was about to be um a Taurus. Mm-hmm. I guess she was just very comfortable. What can we say? Mm-hmm. And so um when she was at Aries, I was like, bet like I'm naming her Mars because that's the ruler. Mm-hmm. That's the ruler of her planet. She's the ruler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mars is the Mars rules Scorpio too. And so okay. obviously she's my ruler. Aww. That's what she thinks. How has it been raising a kid? You know, they start talking. They so smart. Like, how can yeah. they piece together all that stuff? It's fun until that mouth get out of hand. Oh, she be talking back. She be going up. What she be saying? Whatever she wants, because that's how her mama do. <laughs> I don't even be hating. I let her say whatever she wants. If it's to like a, an adult, you know, like you just know some black folks you can't play with. I mm-hmm. like uh, sis, just let her have this one. <laughs> She got a different type of granny, so I'll be like, uh, and I think she gets the, she feel the vibe, like, mm-hmm. I can't do this, I need to She go to her other granny, she be like, you know, that's how she was talking to my dad when I was going off on him, like, don't, like, yeah, nigga. Wow. So we set. Mm-hmm. So, I love yeah. it. But might that backfire on me, I'm sure it will. But mm-hmm. we're going to address it, period. Mm-hmm. Like, so just, we talk to each other how we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. It was smart. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me bring my brother. Of and, course, um, of course, of course. I love I'm all y'all. So glad to finally get to meet Bay in person. Right over here. Wish I'm I could have made it to the party. Shout out to Face to Face. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Before we end this week's episode, thank you to all our amazing sponsors and make sure to check out Isabel over at IVL Photo. She's a self-taught photographer who is an awesome event and portrait photographer based in Southern California. This woman creates some of the most amazing portrait photos ideal for any event such as weddings or something more formal such as headshots. Fun fact, Isabel says that Nipsey was actually her mother's neighbor. And that he inspired her to really get out there and, quote unquote, take lucrative steps. She says that if her neighbor, as incredible of a man as he was, could manifest his dreams, then so could she. She also has a job opportunity. She's looking for an assistant slash second shooter. So go ahead and visit Isabel on IG at IVL underscore photo. That's IVL underscore photo or Isabel at IVLphoto.com. 
make sure to support women businesses and just small businesses in general.